Hey, Graham. Hey, David. I got a joke for you. All right, let's hear it. Okay, so what do you call it when a cowboy dies and then comes back to life? <laughs> it's a good start, isn't it? It is. Um, I don't know what. Reincarnation. <laughs> it's not oh, terrible. It's uh, not terrible. I would say it's good. That's really good. I'm gonna I'm gonna give that an eight. Oh, oh. Logan, drop a really good sound. Maybe is there a can you is there a happy cowboy sound? <laughs> Now you're going to make my joke seem like a bag of used disposable beans. <laughs> well, at least you can cook them on the range. So, uh, recently they, uh, they planted some new trees by my house. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think I trust them. Oh, oh really? Why? They seem kind of shady. <sighs> the trees are the guys who planted them. It's <laughs> pretty good. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. I don't know if it's as good as reincarnation. It's not. But, uh, six and a half. Wow. Six? Yeah. Okay, five and a half. Is that better? Either one. Well, you know, either way. Enough of the nonsense. Let's get on with the nonsense. Welcome back to Withy Windle, a whimsical interactive show for kids who love stories, words, and grown-worthy jokes, some of which are actually good, featuring your favorite authors and illustrators. It's part book club, part game show. It's your weekly adventure through the wild world of wordplay. I'm David Kern. And on an official document, my name is Pittman, Graham. But what is it on non-official documents? Graham Pittman. Oh, I thought it was McGillicuddy McGillicuddy. <laughs> anyway, we are here for another episode of Withy Window. This is the second episode of the fourth season. Yes. This is the tooth episode of the fourth season, otherwise known as Fourth Point Tooth. Mm-hmm. And we've got a lot of nonsense yeah. and also a lot of fun and a lot of interesting uh, stuff coming up on this episode. Later on, we're going to have a conversation with... Alyssa Coleman. She is a really a really great author. We had a we had a great time chatting with her. So she much was fun. fun. So much fun. So uh, we're gonna talk to her in a little bit. Of course, at the end of the show, we're gonna do riddle time. We're gonna give you the answer to last week's riddle about a short man. And then this week we're gonna have another riddle. Maybe about a tall man. Yeah, Who can maybe, say? Maybe a wide man. <laughs> <laughs> maybe even a smaller man. A I mean, you never know. Superman. We're gonna find out. Uh, we are also gonna do story time. Graham's Graham's turn to, yep. to bring a story That's this correct. week. It's Graham's week. So we're going to find out if he's any good at uh, reading stories mm. out loud. Can you read? I can read only fairy or folk tales. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? That works out because that's what we read on this podcast. Yeah. So it works out great. And labels uh, for snacks. Oh, well, uh, which reminds me, we're going to do snack time in a minute. But oh, before, and then goodness. after snack time, we're going to do lazy words. So there's going to be, you know, it makes me realize there's a lot of reading you're going to have to do on this episode. Yeah. So, um, hopefully you've been practicing and, and you'll be ready to go. I have been. My kids have been quizzing me. <laughs> <laughs> the read aloud quiz. Yeah. Uh, before we get into all of it though, we want to remind you about our friends who are sponsoring this episode. They are the tree street kids. Well, it's not exactly the tree street kids who are sponsoring the show, but it's the people who are publishing the street tree street kids. You might remember that the tree street kids which if you say that a bunch of times quickly, yeah. it gets a little bit a little bit difficult. But the Tree Street kids live on streets called Cherry Oak, Maple, and Pine. It's a 1990s suburban neighborhood, but it's more than just quiet, tree-lined streets. Jack, Ellison, Roger, Ruthie, and Midge face challenges and find adventures in every creek and cul-de-sac, as well as God's great love in one small neighborhood. These books are written by... Amanda Cleary Eastup. She's a friend of ours now because she sent us snacks. Absolutely. So shout out to Amanda Eastup, both for her books and for her snack game. She's moved up so many places. Like, I I would be concerned if I were you, David. (laughs) I I don't know. You know, what's weird is I was just going to say the same thing to you. Okay. Well, 
At least we're in the same Hey, if you had to live on one of those streets, which one would you pick? Cherry, oak, maple, or pine? I think I know. You think you know what you would or what I would? I think I know what you would pick. What would I choose? I think you pick cherry. Why? It's your favorite, like, thing in the world. (laughs) Cherries? Yeah, cherry. Or cherry wood in particular. Not cherry wood in particular. Cherries. I was wondering this the other day. And this is a fact. I actually was wondering this the other day. Are fruit trees Mm -hmm. bad trees for building stuff with? No. Like pine, maple, and oak are common. You build cabinets and tables and things like that. It was an apple tree or oh, cherry I see what tree. You mean. No, cherry is a hardwood, right? But like pine is a softwood. Right, right. But you still build stuff with you it. You build actually, stuff, but so. you don't like build a, your floor with it. Right, right. You might like build... Walnut? Like, Walnut's a hardwood? Walnut, true. Also not a fruit. But, but you're right. Pear or apple. Not really. You don't hear much about that. <clears throat> you know, I think I'm going to build some cabinets this year. Make about a pear wood. Pear wood tree. <laughs> pear wood cabinet. Sounds expensive. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Because how many pear trees? Like they're small trees. Yeah. And they have little branches and little trunks. Maybe they're more valuable as fruit bearing trees than mm. building trees. Mm. True. True. Anyway, what else do we have to say about so, these books? So, well, there's two books that are new that they that are in this series that are worth checking out. Lions to the Rescue and Mystery in Crooked Creek Woods. So, in book 3, Lions to the Rescue, it involves um uh, uh Jack is starting 5th grade at a new school and it's not going great. It's a little tough, a little mm-hmm. rough. Uh so what grade? Fifth grade. Yeah, that sounds rough to start a new school. So the question is, how can he join the lions at his new school? I assume that means like that's the mascot, not that he goes to school with lions. Although one never knows. That's fiction. Different kind of book, right? Exactly. Uh, And he wants to. They got to figure out how they can build the most epic bookmobile bike ever. Yeah. So Jack devises the perfect game plan until he fumbles it with the most epic fail ever in a game day disaster. So that's the Lions to the Rescue book. Then there's the mystery in the Crooked Creek Woods. Uh, and, and in this one, let me just tell you, Graham, something fishy is going on in Crooked Creek Woods. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's something like, what's your, is it an actual fish? Is well, it, if it's is the it, Creek Woods and right. something fishy, I imagine right. there's just some strange it, fish in the creek. It could be um, a trout. Yeah. A brook trout. You wouldn't see a brook trout in the, uh, in the creek, usually. Too small? Too, yeah. The creek's too small. Mm-hmm. Well, but, it, but it, it's a Crooked Creek. So maybe it's a crooked creek that's deep, and so it has. Maybe it's more of a crooked creek, but really it's a stream. It's just called a creek. I don't know. We have to read the book to find out. So um, the question, though, is does it have anything to do with the weird lights coming from Ruthie's neighbor's yard or the kids' imaginations running away with them? I mean, weird lights in a neighbor's yard? Yeah. My imagination. I mean, look at that light right now. It makes makes my imagination want to run away from me. Yeah, it probably has nothing to do with the trout, now that I'm thinking about probably it. Probably not. It seems light. unusual, yeah. But but you never know. There are some trouts that like glow underwater, or like fish that glow, glow underwater. In or the at ocean. Least appear to. Yeah, yeah, the deep ocean. Yeah, but I mean, maybe what's fishy is that they're in this creek. <gasps> so, I mean, again, you got to read the book to find out. So if you want to learn more about these books, you can head over to treestreetkids.com. There's some mild peril. Definitely some mild peril in these books. So if you like mild peril, mysteries... And books about kids that live on streets, then these books are for you. <laughs> uh, so again, it is treestreetkids.com. Graham? Yeah. Should we uh, have some snacks now? Snack time. Should we take a break first or just dig right in? Let's, let's just go. Okay. So did you bring anything? I did. Okay. You want to go first? Sure. Yeah. Okay, so, you go first. Uh, I brought two things today. Tonight. Two, two things? Tooth. Tooth things. Tooth well, things the for the tooth episode that we're going to eat with our tooths. <laughs> uh, okay. So we both like airheads. You mean like people who are airheads or the candy? Both. And then, uh, so uh, 
I saw these airhead soft filled bites at the store and I thought I need to have those. They are Have you um, ever had them before? I thought so. But I just tried one earlier. Here, try one of okay. these. Alright, so there, let's see. And now I'm a little confused. Yeah, I'm gonna try a green one. Okay. So nowhere And now I'm gonna try a blue one. Nowhere on the packaging at all does it say anything about them being sour. Nowhere. And yet, these do not taste like airheads. They taste like sour. I would describe things. I would describe them not as sour, but as tangy. No, they're sour because I'm looking at the packaging and my mouth is watering. That means they're sour. Is that true? Yeah, it's like a barometer. It's like a Geiger counter. What if you never had them before? Well, I I don't know. I can see the enlarged for texture image of them (laughs) on there, and they're coated with what looks like sour crystals. Okay. Those are pretty but solid. They're, they're pretty good. On a scale of zero to ten, what would you rate those? Five. Five. Okay, I think that's fair. I got a pretty. I, I got a high snack bar. They're a little one note. Yeah. They're not that complicated. But the note's like a middle C. It's like a pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was great. That was a good joke. Uh, and then what I also. You? Well, no. How, what did you rate? Okay. Like, you want I've to got two it? things as well. Ooh. One of them we're gonna have to do a little comparison test though. So first, oh, I'm gonna do something that? that is I've never had these before. I'm gonna. They're something. Not the something savory. Okay. So these are, you know, the... Um, Is it egg noodles? <laughs> no, these are Pringles. Oh, I see. So, you know, I mean, I was going to say no free ads, but snack time is just one bunch of one free, free ads. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad but, they're Pringles because that would be a very tall soup can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Would you like some chicken noodle soup not uncooked? <laughs> All okay. right. Let's see. Taste them and tell me if you can see what, tell me what flavor you think they are. I'm going to have one too. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, oh, they don't start spicy. Hot barbecue. Yep. Scorching barbecue. Are they really? Scorching barbecue. Uh-huh. You like them? Nah. <laughs> Are you a barbecue chip guy? Nah. I. All right. Um, Pringles. Go. I really like green sour cream and onion Pringles. Yep. All the other flavors, they're kind of not. Uh, not your I mean, I'll eat those. So are these like. <laughs> <laughs> is this like a three? Yeah. Okay. But I like they're, the heat. Yeah, they're pretty good, like, in terms of the, the spice. Like, it's, you don't think it's going to be spicy. Yeah. And then it's got a little bit of a kick on the back. It's pretty good. I like that level. And yeah. it looks like these are all, what is this, all written in Spanish? You get this from the um, international aisle? Uh, yeah. yeah the, 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 they, wow, they really are. Interesting. Uh, that's fascinating. Too hot for Americans. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, my second thing I brought is a score bar. Is that so we can leave a score for the score bar? <laughs> have you ever had a score bar? Mm-mm. No, I actually have never had a score bar. Really? Mm-mm. Do you like toffee? Yeah. Okay. Are, my, had teeth, a are, my, are my teeth going to survive this? Have you had a Heath bar? Yeah, I've had a Heath bar. It's the same thing. Just like, I think there's some brand loyalty okay. depending on what you grew up with. But that's Delicious what... milk chocolate slash crisp butter toffee. I'm all in for this. Yeah. Ugh. It's like... That's very crunchy. I can't believe I've never had this. This is delicious. Six and a half. This is a this is a solid eight for me. Really? Mm-hmm. If you put them in the fridge too, mm. that's probably true. Most uh, chocolate, chocolate bars, yeah. yeah. Reese's so peanut butter cups and stuff. Okay, those, that's delicious. Okay, but here's the thing, Graham. Yep. I brought one I, of your favorite snacks. I know in what the that world. is. Yeah. But. This is a Reese's, I mean, a Rice Krispie Treat. Original. 
Okay. You, what's different about it? You dunked it in water? No. Nope. Okay. Here's what we're gonna do. Oh no. I'm not, I don't know. No, 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 no. Okay. You're messing with perfection. No, I'm not, I'm not. Okay. Here. Hold on. Don't eat it yet. Yeah, eat I just, this and I the just spicy divided chip. It up. But what is that? They released a new kind. Home style rice krispies. Oh, treats. I know. We're, we're doing a comparison. So we're gonna comparison test these. The original just, you know. Tightly wrapped up in a sleeve, rice krispie standard. Treat. Yep, you know the standard one that you get. Now I'm opening up this box, so we got to do a little comparison. Okay, there's Ooh, the home style. Whoa, that's substantial. It is. It's much much thicker, and they're cut. Okay, so these ones come individually wrapped. Um, so eat, let's like taste test. We got to we got to like look at the differences here too, like. I feel like this, the original one. Mine's gone. <laughs> Here. <laughs> I feel like the original one is denser. It's got that like scientifically engineered perfection, right? Uh-huh. There's not as much crumble or air in it. But the homestyle one, it's got little pieces of marshmallow actually in there. What, what, is, what, what is the marketing copy on the box say? 50% 50% bigger. bigger. Okay. Homestyle original. Um, oh, that's that's all that it says. And then it's got, see, you can see the little marshmallows in there. So I'm I'm gonna try the the original one. That homestyle one's good. Ooh, how many of these could you eat on a road trip? Mm. Say you and I are on a road trip somewhere, and there's a box of six of them here. How long would they last <laughs> us? Mm, uh, over or under forty five minutes. Oh, under. <laughs> over 20? under twenty. So yeah, we each get three. These are good. Are they better than the original, you think? I think they're better than I the original. I think they are, too. Yeah. I think this is like a... This might be one of the best store-bought wow. snacks I've had in a long time. Does the premium taste come with a premium cost? <laughs> I have a large mouthful. Um, it was a little bit more, but worth it. You got that. Oh, I just got a bunch of marshmallow. Yeah. Mm. That's really good. That's delicious. You know what? We should probably take a break so we can enunciate, get the marshmallow out of our teeth. So we'll be back in a second after we've eaten this whole box and uh, we'll do um, some lazy words. Okay, we're back. We're um, almost done clearing the the sweet, delicious Rice Krispie treats out of our teeth. And uh, we're ready for uh, lazy lazy words. Lazy words. Wait, lazy words. That's what we're here for. All right. So last week we talked about bookstore as the lazy word, uh, and we got some good suggestions on what to rename it in a less lazy way. (laughs) I'm sure we did. Uh, Charlotte says it should be called a tail bazaar. Okay. I I assume not T-A-I-L. No, tail. <laughs> Super helpful, thanks. <laughs> Isaac says it should be called Place of Tales. I'm not going to tell you how that's spelled either. <laughs> Megan says Story Shop. So they all, there's variations on a theme here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anna Katzmeyer says Temptation Shack. <laughs> <laughs> because you're tempted to spend all your money? All your money. Yeah. Or just spend all your time. Either yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lucy Ducket. says Brainstormer. Bra- oh, Brainstormer. I okay. like that a lot. Uh, their mom says heaven on earth. <laughs> uh, Ava says a doggy book heaven. 
Interesting. <laughs> I want to know more about that. I know. Uh, Rain and Blaze. This one's really interesting. They say it should be called a Feyring Coviter. A Feyring Coviter. Yeah. They say this word has Mande and German roots. Uh, so they've kind of smashed up two different uh, foreign words for read and for sell. Oh, okay. Hey, that's clever. And they say, roll your R's when you say it. But I didn't do that because <laughs> that was at the end. You, <laughs> yeah. You got to say, hey, Graham, roll your R's when you say what I'm about to yeah. type here. Whoops. Okay. And last one, uh, before we move on, uh, Hudson says it should be called Happy Shop, <laughs> which I agree, Hudson. I think, I think I'm going to change my the name of my bookstore to Goldberry Happy Shop. I, I'm, I'm on board with this. Okay. So this week. Yeah. What's this week's lazy word? So imagine you're lazily... Uh, Floating down a river, um, just having a, you know, maybe you've got a book from the happy shop okay. on your lap. Yeah, yeah. Like the birds are singing. On an inner tube or like you're just actually floating? Uh, let's say, yeah, I like that. Inner tube. Yeah, inner tube. Okay. Uh, What's the outer tube? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the outer tube's gone. You're just on the inner tube. Okay. Uh, so you're floating along. Birds are chirping. Um you know, you've got your book. Maybe your book's, like, on your face, you know? Like, you're taking a nap and it's shading you. It's, it's perfect. Perfect. You just yeah, imagine yeah. it. And it falls into the water, yeah. But now you're hearing something. It's kind of a dull roar, and it's getting louder as your inner tube is approaching it. And you're about to go over the... Rapids. Nope. The waterfall. The waterfall. Who... <laughs> 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 I want to know. know, This is true. This is a great one because a waterfall is kind of an epic thing. Just thunderous, uh, uh, awe-inspiring. But no. Somebody came underneath it and was like, look at that waterfall. (laughs) What should we call this thing? (laughs) I don't know. How about waterfall waterfall this is bad it is what it is it is what it but see that's why but here's the thing here's the thing Mm, hurricane nope 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 hurricane great name for a water thing right yeah tornado also it's like they didn't they didn't call big wind right twisty wind they called it a tornado (laughs) right they didn't say big storm off ocean (laughs) they called it a hurricane yeah or a tsunami tsunami not big wave right exactly so, this is a very good one. Big wave splash. Do you have any ideas? Well, I like the th- I like kind of playing into the sound of it. So like thunder crush. Like it's like dangerous, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh I mean, I guess you can have like nice waterfalls in a scenic place that's not as thunderous. So, I don't know, maybe there's something else we need to come up with mm. some other some other angle. Well, Graham, I have an idea. Gravity Splash. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we let our listeners solve oh, this problem for us? Yes, all right. So if the kids have ideas for what to rename Waterfall, how should they get in touch? They should email us at podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. And after that first episode, I got to tell you, we got tons of emails. Um, so you guys are doing a great job uh, emailing us. It's great. We got pictures of you climbing, pictures a, mountain. Of climbing a mountain. Yeah. Um, one where you've already How brave eaten. did I look? You look pretty brave. <laughs> One where you've climbed a mountain, and there's a pigeon like over the, your head, so you're chasing it. And one where you've already eaten the pigeon, and you're just thinking of the wishes. Oh you yeah, know, to yeah. Get. It, There's lots of good ones. So I was thinking of a new idea for I kids to draw. I don't know why draw. they didn't draw me. Well, I was going to suggest that cooking, eating leaves. No, no, no. I think what people yeah. should draw is you 
Going despairing oh. <laughs> in the mountains, eating cooking leaves, okay. lying beneath a tree, <laughs> cooking leaves in despair. No, I know why people didn't do that. Actually, now I'm thinking of it. it I, mean, I, think it's a, I think it's a great idea. So if anybody wants to do that, I mean, I want cooking you know, leaves, but going over the waterfall in an inner tube. <laughs> right, exactly. Just smash so, up the stories. So again, how is it that people can send their pictures or their uh, podcasts at goldberrybooks.com? Great. Well, that is a great. That is a really excellent lazy word this week. I think that's one of your better ones. I agree. I mean, technically, you didn't come up with a lazy word. You should identify it as lazy. curating. Right, yeah. And, and, and helping to solve yeah, exactly. this issue. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break, during which we may or may not eat some snacks. And when we get back, it's going to be time for a new segment I like to call Storytime with Uncle Graham. <laughs> Okay, we're back with story time with Uncle Graham. Mm -hmm. I am an uncle. You so are. that works. You are. You're not you're my not uncle, my nephew. though. Yeah, you're not my nephew. But, but my your nephew's to listen. <gasps> Perfect. So for your nephews who are listening, story time and with your Uncle Graham. Actually, right? Oh, correct. Yes. Yeah. So that then it's story time with Uncle Graham. Yeah. Do you want to shout them out real quick? That would uh, shout out to Ian and Liam and Calvin and Courtney and Mira and Emmy. All right, that's enough. That's too many. That's that's all of them. Oh, so, perfect. That yeah. worked out great then. Okay. All right. So this week's story comes from uh, Andrew Lang, who curated a lot of different fairy tales um, a little over a hundred years ago, and I think I think yours from last week. Uh, also came out of one of his collections. It did, yeah. But uh, this one comes out of his collection, out of the Pink Fairy Book, uh, which was published 1897. And it is a Dutch fairy tale called I Know What I Have Learned. I Know What I Have... Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. I can't wait to find out what you learn. <laughs> and within, you know, in the first sentence, you'll understand why I thought of this one. Okay. Okay. There once was a man who had three daughters, and they were all married to trolls <laughs> who lived underground. <laughs> How did he allow that to happen? It might, be, it of, might be a good thing. You I we'll got a lot of parenting questions. We'll see. One day, the man thought that he would pay them a visit, and his wife gave him some dry bread to eat by the way. After he had walked some distance. Why is everybody eating dry bread? Here, you're going on a long journey. Here's the worst bread we you have. You don't want wet bread. Well, yeah, but I mean, I'd rather... rather let me, let me continue. Okay, sorry. After he had walked some distance, he grew both tired and hungry. So he sat down on the east side of a mound and began to eat his dry bread. Okay. The mound then opened. And his youngest daughter came out of it and said, Why, father, why are you not coming in to see me? What is happening? <laughs> he forgot what mound they lived in. They, lived on, they live underground. Well, right, as one does with a troll. Yeah, this guy's related to Dullhead or Blockhead or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. okay. Probably also Gargolehauser. He might My be. Marriage. He might be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, said he, if I'd have known you lived here and I had seen any entrance, I would have come in. <laughs> then he entered the mound along with her. The troll came home soon after this, and his wife told him that her father had come and asked him to go and buy some beef to make broth with. Luckily, he had some dry bread to go with it. <laughs> we can get it easier than that, said the troll. I know I'm good at trolls because we're around the troll. Yeah, right, okay, all the time, all right. yeah. 
So he fixed an iron spike into one of the beams of the roof, and he ran his head against this until he had knocked off several large pieces of his head. The troll? Uh Uh-huh. He was just as well as ever after doing this, and they got their broth without further trouble. Cannot wait to find out what sound effects are going to go with that. (laughs) (laughs) Troll's fine. This is just a normal troll thing. Yeah, okay, yeah. Just like shave off a little of your head. And this, you'll see, you'll see, this troll's pretty cool. Okay, all right. The troll then gave the old man a sack full of money, and laden with this, he betook himself homewards, which means he left to go home. Uh, When he came near his home, he remembered that he had a cow that was about to calve, which means give birth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So he laid down the money on the ground and ran home as fast as he could and asked his wife whether the cow had calved yet. I got a lot of questions. What kind of a hurry is this to come home in? She said. No, the cow has not calved yet. Oh, then you must come with me and help me with the sack full of money, said the man. (laughs) A sack full of money, cried his wife. Yes, a sack full of money. Isn't that so very wonderful, said he. His wife did not believe very much what he told her, but she humored him and went out with him. When they came to the spot where he had left it, there was no money there. A thief had come along and stolen it. His wife then grew very angry and scolded him. money on the ground. Yes. It's one of the morals. Is what I tell you every every time we go on a trip. (laughs) I wasn't going to moralize this, but you got it. Yeah. Um, His wife then grew very angry and scolded him heartily. Well, well, said he. Hang the money. I know what I've learned. (laughs) And what have you learned? Said she. Ah, I know that, said the man. (laughs) After some time had passed, the man had a mind to visit his second oldest daughter. His wife again gave him some dry bread to eat, and when he had grew tired and hungry, he sat down on the east side of a mound and began to eat it. And as he sat there, his daughter came out of the mound and invited him to come inside, which he did very willingly. I wonder what's happening on the west side. Yeah, it's a good question. Soon after this, the troll came home. It was very dark by that time, and his wife bade him, go, buy some candles. Oh, We shall have light, said the troll. And with that, he dipped his fingers into the fire, and they they then gave light without being burned in the least. The old man got two stacks of money now, and he plodded away homeward with these. It's good son-in-laws. Yeah. Good son-in-laws. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. I mean, for trolls. When he was nearly home again, though, he thought of that cow with that calf, and he laid down the money and he ran home and asked his wife whether the cow had calved yet. Some people never learn. What is the matter with you? said she. You come hurrying as if the whole house was about to fall. You may set your mind at rest. The cow has not calved yet. The man now asked her to come and help him home with these two sacks of money. She didn't believe him very much, but he continued to assure her that it was all quite true, till at last she gave in and went with him. When they came to the spot... Wait, let me guess. Go ahead. There had been a thief there that had taken the money. Is it really a thief if somebody just stumbles upon a pile of money? Also, do you think that like, thief is just waiting behind a tree for someone to put their money down and then just takes it? Yeah, I would just imagine somebody just walked along and was like, money, cool, to take, is that a thief? I don't know. It does just a moral gray area there. Uh, anyway. I mean, what if they called out very loudly? Does this, is this anybody's money? And they, like, was there a name on it on the sag? Was this guy? Was there this guy? Was there like a phone number on the troll's bag? Do you have a, like a leave a business card? It was no wonder the woman was so angry about this. But the man only said, "Ah, if you only knew what I have learned." <laughs> Third time. The man set out to build, f- visit his oldest daughter. And when he had come to the mound, he sat down on the east side of it and ate the dry bread, which his wife had given to take with him. And the daughter then came out of the mound and invited her father to come inside. In a little while, the troll came home and his wife asked him to go buy some fish. 
We can get them much more easily than that, said the troll. Give me your dough trough and your ladle. So they seated themselves in the trough and rowed out on a lake, which was by the mound. And when they got out a little way, the troll, the, west side. the troll said to his wife, are my eyes green? No, not yet, said she. <laughs> so they rolled out a little further and asked again, are my eyes not green yet? Oh, yes, said his wife. They are green now. So the troll sprang into the water and scooped up so many fish in such a short time that the trough could hold no more. I'm not going to lie. Good skill to have. Yeah, exactly. They. Why doesn't our troll have any of these skills? I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't. Maybe he's never been on a lake. How would he know? Uh, they then rode home again and had a good meal of the fish. The old man now got three sacks full of money and set home with them. When he was almost home, though, the cow came into his head again, and he laid down the money. This time, however, he took off his wooden shoes and put them on the money, thinking no one would take them now. <laughs> <laughs> now when someone walks up, they're going to be like, oh, shoes, definitely not going to take yeah, that. Ever... As opposed to money and shoes. It's a universal sign. Don't touch money yeah. when there's shoes on it. Yeah. Then he ran home and asked his wife whether the cow had calved. It had not. And she, Shocker. <laughs> and she scolded him again for behaving in this way. But in the end, he persuaded her to go with him and to help him with the three sacks of money. When they came to the spot, they found only the wooden shoes, for a thief had come along in the meantime and taken all the money. <laughs> didn't want the shoes. Didn't. Well, maybe they didn't fit. Yeah, or maybe they're, it's because they're wood. Um, yeah, that's true. The woman was very angry and broke out upon her husband. But he took it all very quietly and only said, hang the money. I know what I've learned. <laughs> so what have you learned? I would that's like what I to tell know. my wife to hang the money. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you learned? I would like to know, said his wife. You will see that yet, said the man. One day, his wife took, for a, fancy, took a fancy for broth and said to him, oh, go to the village and buy some beef so we can make some broth. There's no need of cow. There's no need of that, he said. We can get it in an easier way. And with that, he drove a spike into a beam and ran his head against it. <laughs> <laughs> and in consequence, guess what? They didn't get their broth, but he had to lie in bed for a long time afterwards. <laughs> After he had recovered from this, his wife asked him one day to go and buy candles because they had, had none. No, he said. There's no need for that. And he stuck his hand into the fire. This also made him take to bed for a good long while. <laughs> when he had gotten better again, his wife uh, one day wanted fish and asked him to go and buy some. The man, however, wished again to show what he had learned. So he asked her to come along with him and bring her dough trough with a ladle. And they both seated the <laughs> uh, and they both seated themselves in this and rode upon the lake. And when they got out a little way, the man said, are my eyes green yet? <laughs> No, said his wife. Why should they be? They rode out a little further and he asked again, are my eyes not green yet? <laughs> what nonsense is this? Said she. Why would they be green? Oh, my dear, said he. Can't you just say that they're green? <laughs> Very well, said she. They are green. And as soon as he heard this, he sprang into the water with the ladle for the fishes and was never seen again. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end. That's the end. Yeah. That's the end of my uh, story. Uh, you know, story time with Uncle Graham is uh, off to a rousing, rousing start. I've never read that without laughing 
And I've read that a lot. Have your kids heard that one a bunch of times? A bunch, yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember the first time we read it, and I had no idea where it was going, and I I could not stop laughing at the end. It was it was a good time. Fairy yeah. tales are a good time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really know what to say. Um, <laughs> I would say um, it's good to have troll son-in-laws if you're smart enough to know uh, maybe how to handle them well or handle their advice. Was this a tragedy? <laughs> yes. Or, or a comedy. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, it didn't end in a marriage. So it ended with a splash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know, I bet I know why he didn't, wasn't seen from again. Why? Waterfall. Oh, he went down the waterfall. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he knew what he learned. Yeah. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, Oh, those Dutch. Yeah, the Dutch. The Dutch. Or was it Danish? The, I can't remember. Shoes. Oh, those Danish or Dutch. Oh, those European fairy tale <laughs> people. <laughs> well, Graham, that was um, an experience that I won't soon forget. Good. And uh, I think I'm going to need some time to recover from it, in fact. Right. So let's take a break. And then when we come back, we'll have a conversation with Alyssa Coleman. <laughs> Guess what, Graham? We're back? Yeah. <laughs> We're back with a conversation with Alyssa Coleman. We talked with her recently, and we had a great time. Alyssa is the author of The Gilded Girl and the Tarnished Garden, and her na- her na- her debut novel, her debut novel <laughs> won the 2021 Northern Lights Book Award for Middle Grade Fantasy and was selected as a Bank Street Best Book of the Year. The The paperback for her second book is coming out this fall. She mm. studied English and theater at Wake Forest University, not at all far from us. That's about an hour from us here in, in uh, Concord. As a playwright, she was a winner of the 2013 ESPA New Play Competition at Primary Stages in New York and was a semifinalist at the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center National Playwrights Conference. Now, that might not sound like it, that doesn't sound like a bunch of words that doesn't mean a lot to the kids, but it's a big deal. It's a big deal. She now lives with her family in Virginia, where she enjoys making messes in her kitchen, reading, and hiking with her dog, Daisy. Uh, we did talk about kitchen stuff in this did conversation. We? Yeah, we talked about food. You know what I was thinking? I don't trust anybody from Wake Forest. Because <laughs> I hear they're shady. Um, you know what? Let's just get to the conversation. I'm going to have to deal with that uh, while, while the kids are listening. Keep that in, Logan. <laughs> Here's Alyssa Coleman. Well, we are here with Alyssa Coleman. Alyssa, thanks so much for joining Graham and I. This is going to be a great time. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So uh, we were just talking before we officially started recording that Kate Albus, our mutual friend Kate Albus, was the one who um, who put you on to coming on to this show. That's a weird way of saying that. But the point is she recommended you come on. <laughs> and I would like to know, what did you do to her that made her recommend you come on and uh, endure this? Hmm, um, how, how did I you make her, such an enemy I, I out of Kate Albus? Uh, yeah, I will buy her lunch when I see her. You know, bribes bribes are very effective with writers, especially when oh. it comes to food. Food bribes, okay. Oh, so you so it was actually like a you you took it as a good thing. I think really she's trying to punish you for something you did to her. <laughs> I, I I don't think so, not at all. <laughs> okay, so we have as usual lots of questions from kids and so we're gonna start with the we're gonna start with the classic though most important question we, we ask on this podcast Alyssa, you've listened so you know what's coming cheetos or doritos doritos yeah i gotta go doritos the, the variety of flavors they can really match your mood 
And oh, that's great. I've never heard anyone yeah. put it that way before. <laughs> I like the mood ring of of snack foods. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay, I mean, but, sometimes mm. you want the cool ranch, sometimes you want the nachos. You could, yeah, and they're they're not as messy. See, this is this is interesting because the question of messiness with snack food seems to be such a big deal for the writers we've talked to. And some people say, oh, Doritos are too messy. And some people say <laughs> Cheetos are so messy. And now, now I'm just confused. I've heard other writers on your podcast recommend the chopsticks, but you can't, it, the chopsticks while using a keyboard, it's it's just too complicated. I'll stick to Doritos. That's that's a great point. Chopsticks with a keyboard, you put them, yeah, put yeah. them down, pick them yeah. up. Yeah. You'd have to do left-hand chopsticks, right-hand utensil, long-form like mechanical pencil or something. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like writing by hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we talked to Gary Schmidt in episode one and he talked about how he used a typewriter and I'm trying to imagine eating with chopsticks and also a typewriter. I guess you could just have like, it's stuck between your fingers and you're typing with two fingers anyway on a typewriter half the time. So maybe it's I actually mean, easy. Who needs whiteout? You can just smear cheese dust across yes. whatever you don't want. Right? Exactly. So of all the Dorito flavors, what's your favorite? Uh, just the classic red bag. The classic red bag. Classic red. Okay, yeah. so are you a cookies or a cake fan? Mm. If you had to choose between your Gosh, sweets. It really depends on my mood. I feel like in the winter, I like cake. And in the summer, I like cookies. Huh. What kind of cookies? Um, My favorite are white chocolate chip with cranberries. White chocolate chip. That's like a fancy cookie. Yeah, my dad makes them. They're really good. Nice. White chocolate chip with cranberries. Is that like a holiday? Get a little, yeah, you get a little sweet, get a little tart. Mm-hmm. Sounds awesome. So are you, like, do you prefer savory or sweet food overall? I like to eat sweet food. I prefer to cook savory food. Oh, okay. I'm not as much of a baker as I am a cook. So what's your favorite thing to cook? Um, I'm making my favorite dish tonight, which is chicken tingo tacos. Uh, oh, with a yeah. mango salsa top. Nice. Yeah, that sounds That's so good. It's a recipe I've perfected when I used to live in Los Angeles. <laughs> okay, so tell us about this. Tell us more about this. Okay, like wh- so what are you seasoning with and all that? Uh, chipotle and adobo peppers, uh, fire roasted tomatoes, a uh, little bit of chicken stock just to help thin out the sauce, um, mm. and an onion. And you cook that all together until it. It it really just gets thick and darkens, and then you put it through a blender mm-hmm. to make this really smooth sauce, and then you put it on shredded chicken. It's delicious. Mm. A little avocado, a little crumbled cheese. Graham, uh, you know what? Uh, no more food talk. I have not had a big enough lunch for this, for me to not be starving <laughs> for the rest the of recipe. this episode. That's great. Perfect. Send us the recipe. Graham, take it away. No more food talk. I can't handle that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I like so, so David does this thing where he tries to get as much food knowledge out of people as possible right. and then pretends like it's upsetting him. But <laughs> it's his favorite part of the podcast. Yeah, well, really what I need you to do is I now need to write down everything she just said. So I need you to talk for a second. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Okay. So, uh, Alyssa Coleman, um, I think this is the part where we should let you talk a little bit about yourself and your books, um, especially for the kids out there who might not know you as well. Um, yeah, you, I know you have two books out. I've heard tell, uh, something about plays, but I'm not quite sure. Were you in the plays? Were you directing the plays? Were you writing the plays? I'm curious. Yeah, sure. So to answer that last question first, um, I started out writing plays. Uh, I lived in New York at the time, 
And it was a lot of fun. I wrote, but then when I moved and I was living in DC and then Los Angeles, it was kind of hard to put on plays because I didn't know many people there. So my Mm. first love has always been books. And when I moved and didn't know anyone, I really turned back into books and was reading them kind of like I was breathing air just, Mm. and my husband said to me, you should try writing a book instead. You, you know, you, you love them. Why are you, I never see you reading plays. I see you reading books and he was right. So I started writing books and now I have two out in the world and hopefully more to come. Uh, the first book is the Gilded Girl. It is a retelling of a little princess set in a gilded age, magical New York city where mm. all children are born with the ability to spark magic But the privilege of kindling or turning it into something lasting is reserved for the elite who can afford the education. And two girls from very different backgrounds team up to get their magic, no matter the cost. And the second book is The Tarnished Garden, which is a retelling of The Secret Garden. And that follows familiar characters from the first book, but features a brand new protagonist as she discovers a magical garden in the Lower East Side neighborhood known as the Tarnish and discovers three house dragon kittens there who need her help. So, okay, you're you in your description. These these stories are amazing. I can see why well, like Kate you. was so effusive in her praise of them. and was like, you have to have Alyssa Coleman on the podcast. She's amazing. So... Um, but in your description there, you're clearly, you mean, you directly allude to stories that you're paying homage to. Hey, there's a good word, homage. What, I mean, are those, were those your favorite books growing up? That's a question we like, you know, we get a lot from kids to the authors. Were those two, the ones that were the most your favorite and thus they inspired this story or were they just ones that like you thought I can, I can write something like that. No, I, I've i always loved A Little Princess. It wasn't my favorite book. My favorite book is a book uh, that no one, I've never met anyone who has ever read this book, but it's called Quest for a Maid by Frances Mary Hed, uh, Hendry, uh, which fun, funny enough, when I got my deal with FSG, I opened up the book and realized that I now share a publisher with my favorite book from when I was a kid. That's and awesome. that was so wonderful. And who's the um, author of that one? Frances Mary Hendry. I loved that book and no one has, I've never met anyone who's read it, but um, no, I loved a little princess so much. I have fond memories of doing a passage from it in my theater class when I was in seventh grade. <laughs> and I loved the movie of it. I loved all different, all different versions. I loved comparing the different movie versions. So it was, and the story of this girl who loses everything and regain and retains her inner kindness to me, that has always just resonated with me. And I really wanted to write a story about someone who suffers that kind of fall and really learns who they are. But as I was listening to the audiobook as an adult driving around Los Angeles, I still remember the exact place I was in my car when I had the thought, oh, Sarah Crew is so perfect. She's the main character of The Little Princess. And I kept thinking, oh, it would have been awful to be her classmate because she did everything right and she never makes the mistake. And the story was born from there. And I developed the voice of Izzy, who is the other character in my book. It's told in two different points of view. And Izzy is this girl who cannot stand my main character, Emma. And the two of them are at odds at the beginning and have to become friends out of circumstances. 
How long did it take you to develop that voice and and write this whole story? I the story once it came together, I sat down and wrote the whole draft in 44 days. Oh, which wow. is really fast. But then I revised it for about six to eight months before I was ready to show it to anybody. <laughs> but the story as it was just kind of poured out. Hmm. Graham, go ahead. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, uh, for the whole episode for now. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, um, uh, Alyssa, you had mentioned Francis Mary Hendry. Uh, and I'm going to ask you this question because it comes from a girl named Francis. Uh, and she wants to know if you live in NYC. And that is presumably because of where your books are set. Books are set in New York. I do not currently live in New York, but I did. Um, I lived there for Mm -hmm. about six years after I graduated college. And I have such a love for that city. And I I, I feel like I tried to infuse a lot of the places and things that I love about New York into the books. Yeah, that makes sense. There's also a character in the book named Francis. Fun fact. (laughs) Is it that girl that just asked the question? Maybe. I, 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 I'm not allowed to tell. <laughs> Can you, wouldn't that be crazy Like that, if a character from a story came alive and started asking you questions about your process, writing them into a story? That's like a book in and of itself. You're welcome. Yep. Done. Signed. <laughs> I'll dedicate it to you guys. <laughs> what were you going to say, Graham? Uh, so you might have already answered this one, Alyssa, but Lexi wants to know... Um, do you like writing novels or plays better? She wants to know definitively, I think. Mm. They're so different because with plays, you can't do what you can't show or say. It's it's very auditory and very visual. Uh. Whereas I I think I do like writing books better because I get to be the director. I get to be the actors. I get to be the scenic designer, the costume designer. It's more work because you have to do everything, but I I love being able to create an entire mood instead mm. of having to rely on other people to do it. But there is something wonderful about that magic and teamwork when you are working on a play. Uh, but the actual act of writing, I think I like writing novels mm. better. When did you discover that? I mean, like, when did you discover you wanted to be a writer? That's a question we get a lot from kids, too. So I was working when I lived in New York City, I was working actually at a talent agency that represented actors and uh, represented playwrights. And as to just familiarize myself with the client's work, I was taking home the plays and reading them at night. And as I was reading them, I thought, I could do this. I love writing. This is fun. Why not? And so I started trying it. And I did the thing that you see in movies that no one actually does in real life, to my knowledge. But (laughs) I took one of my plays to my boss and told her that my friend wrote it and asked for feedback for my friend. And I 100% think she saw right through me. But bless her heart, she sat down with me and gave me a very nice a bunch of very nice notes to give to my friend and she really helped kind of launch my writing career and inspire my confidence. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you should just write a play about that. Yeah. there A, you t- go. a two man play. <laughs> you guys are giving me, I'm going to be stocked with ideas for years after, by the end of this podcast. I think it's really interesting. And maybe I, I know I didn't think of it when I was a kid, but you don't, you don't necessarily think of like, you think of a play or a TV show, you know, 
uh, uh, watching it and and kind of receiving what the actors are doing, you don't necessarily think of somebody writing it and thinking about like the constraints that are involved in writing something where any sort of like inner dialogue or or inner voice has to be expressed in some way. Yeah. And so like, it's very interesting. Like the the freedom in a novel is very different than the constraints in kind of a play. And I'm sure some people really thrive with constraints. Yes. Um, I mean, TV writing is very constrictive. There's hmm. very much a formula that you have to do certain beats on certain pages. Hmm. Um, but I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't even think of writing as something that people actually actively did. <laughs> I, I kind of thought you had to be old and dead in order to be a writer. Sure. Uh, yeah. Based on the books that we read in school. <laughs> books were all written by ghosts. Yeah, pretty much. Again, another book idea. A ghost that writes books. <laughs> I gotta start writing these down. What about a ghost that writes books, but he's having trouble getting them published? Mm-hmm. So he goes to his boss. So, so it becomes like he, <laughs> he he takes up haunting as a you know on the side, and then the character house. comes yes. alive in the story <laughs> to help convince the publisher to publish the book. This is starting to sound a little like the phantom of the publishing house here. Yes. Hey, Graham, so she already answered this one, but we should shout out Molly because she says, I would like to ask Alyssa if the little princess was an inspiration in The Gilded Girl because when I was reading the first half-ish of the book, there were so many overlaps. So you answered that in your initial question, but shout out to Molly for noticing that. Great job, Molly. Uh, Let's see. Should we ask about this favorite character one, Graham? I love that question, yeah. Okay, so Jessica wants to know if you have a favorite character from your own books. She says that hers is Figgy. I I love Figgy. I have right behind me. Nobody will be able to see this, but I'm holding it up for you guys. I have a Figgy pudding pillow <laughs> that has <laughs> That's the, great. The, the cat dragon from the back of the Gilded Girl. Um, Figgy is probably the most fun to write. Second, followed, funny enough, by Francis, uh, <laughs> who is also really fun to write. And... I, I have to stop the two of them from stealing every scene when I put them on the page because they're just fun and quirky and figgy with his love of gravy. I, I just can't get enough. <laughs> yeah, say no more. Gravy. Gravy. This is a fun this is a fun one from Kate. Uh we've never had a question quite like this before. She she asks if grace and poise is your motto as well. And if not, what would your motto be? Oh, I love that. Uh, it is not mine. I I would say that though I do feel there's a lot of Emma or a lot of Emma in me. I I don't share that motto. I feel like I'm 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 at least at this point in my life I'm more Emma towards the end of the book. But I would say there's a there's a William Penn quote that I really love that it's um, I do not expect to pass this way but once. If therefore there be any kindness I can show. My oh gosh, I'm gonna botch this now. My good man, let me do it now and not defer or neglect it, for I shall not pass this way again. And mm. I think that is kind of my motto. That I I think kindness would be the motto that I remind myself in stressful situations. So we have a friend who's come on this podcast a couple of times, SD Smith, and he talks about the idea of hospitality and writing. And that's kind of like hospitality is a big theme for him or motivation or maybe a motto. Do you think about what you're talking about there with kindness when you're writing? I think it's a theme that will be in all of my books and, you know, learning to view things from another 
person's point of view. My my mom is a high school guidance counselor, and one of the things she reminds she reminded us throughout growing up is always assume positive intent. Don't assume that someone is out to you know if something goes wrong. Don't mm. assume someone's out to get you. Don't assume that they were doing it to be malicious. Assume positive intent, and your life will be a lot better. And I feel like learning to view through stories, learning to view someone else's experience is a really safe way to explore that. Mm. And so, you know, we're, we all, we learn and grow from our parents too. So I think that will always be whispering in my ear as I'm writing. Mm. That's great advice. And so I've got so many questions on that. That's a conversation for a different day. We'll have to have you back. (laughs) Okay, Granny, should should we ask another one and then do the quiz? Torin wants to know uh, if you could go back to any place or in time, what decade would you go back to? This is becoming yeah. like a classic. This is almost becoming like a Cheetos Doritos question on this show. Yeah, this is that is a hard question, Torin. So I spend way too much time um, thinking about if I ever got accidentally transported through time, what technology or modern convenience I would be able to bring with me and then have slowly over time realized that the answer is not very much um, because I would not be able to create a computer or a car. Um, I think I I would love to go back to the Gilded Age as long as I had some money because uh, it was a time of very much highs and lows. It, one of the reasons that I wrote in that era is that the richest people in the world lived not even 10 miles away from the poorest people in the world on the same island. And I find that really fascinating that Manhattan was just such a huge disparity of wealth and equality. Hmm. So the Gilded Age for the kids who don't know is kind of roughly what years? Uh, That is, it's right after the Industrial Revolution, which you might have learned about in school. So it really covers the first couple of years of the 1900s um, up until the teens, which the progressive era began. And that's when you hear about a lot of the strikes and workers' rights and things that you might have studied in school, too. It's a big time for the classic children's books, too, like the E. Nesbitts and people like that were kind of coming up during that time. Anna Green Gable, I think, was written during that time. All right, Graham, you know, it's time for the author quiz. So I I hope you did you did you do a quiz this time because you know you never really know because you you, did, you didn't it's it's a <laughs> uh, it's a safe guess yes uh, if you have not uh, curated a quiz then yeah that would be me all right so uh, Alyssa um, if you've I don't know if you've listened this far into any episodes but um, I have this, I I was this... telling David before we started recording that I am very worried about failing this quiz. Yeah, excellent. How stressed okay. are, you, are you right now? <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, probably a ten. I'm gonna have to go with ten. <laughs> we should have done this first to get it out of the way. <laughs> All right, Graham, take it away. All right, Alyssa, this quiz um, is like 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 we were just saying, very stressful, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see the sweat already kind of pouring off of yeah. off of you. Mm-hmm. So sorry about that in advance. But all right, this is a garden quiz. Oh, goodness. Okay. Seems like, you know, on theme. Yeah. Uh, and the connection to you, 
obviously, uh, you wrote a book called The Tarnished Garden. Now, this um, this quiz isn't about your book, The Tarnished Garden. It's about gardens in general. Well, very specific gardens, actually. Um, all right. You ready for question one? Bring it on. If you could spend a day in one of the following gardens, which would you choose and why? Okay. Uh, option A. The Hanging Gardens of Babylon, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. B, the Secret Garden at Misselthwaite Manor. Uh, C, Claude Monet's iconic Japanese-inspired water gardens in France. Or D, the garden in Alice Through the Looking Glass with the Talking Flowers. Oh my goodness. Those are very different options. Um... I think I'm going to have to go with one, the, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, just because yeah. it's so different than anything else I, I've ever experienced. I think that's an awesome choice. When I was researching uh, those seven wonders, uh, it was like the one with the least amount of information. Like there's secondary and tertiary sources about it, but not a whole lot of like firsthand. It sounds really mysterious yeah. and cool. I feel like so. you'd get really serious bra- bragging rights if you went there. I Yeah, I would yeah, agree. And, I don't know, talking flowers, the, 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 yeah, I don't, that just scares me. Too, too weird. Too, too weird. weird. I yeah. agree. Yeah. No offense to Alice. Too weird. Question number two. The world's deadliest garden, which is dubbed the poison garden, can easily be mistaken for a normal, beautiful English castle garden. But on a closer look, this garden located in Alnwick, England, you would find a hundred varieties of dangerous and deadly plants, such as hemlock and deadly nightshade. Uh, visitors are warned against touching, smelling, or tasting any plants. Wow. Yeah, sounds so cool. Another story uh, idea. Yes. Oh, somebody's got to be working on this right now. Yeah. Okay, so my question to you, Alyssa Coleman, who created the poison garden? Oh. Option A. Okay, good. There's options. <laughs> there are. Poisonhead Wilson, Puddinhead's more macabre cousin. <laughs> I have literally joked that out like no 10 year old uh, is good again. <laughs> For those of you who are listening that don't know, that's a reference to Mark Twain. Ask your parents to look it up. Uh, Jane Percy, the Duchess of Northumberland. Uh, <laughs> C, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> or option D, no one knows. It's been around forever. I mean, that's a story idea. It's Poison Garden that's just been there forever. Like the reverse mm. Garden of Eden. I, I, you know, I'm, I like that theory. Let's go with that theory. D. Well, you might be right. But according to my research, uh, this lady named Jane Percy was the one who started it. Wow. But do we really know? Or did she just stumble across it? You know, yeah. you never know. You I'm going to say you got, I'm, you got I'm that sticking one. With, right. Yeah, I'm sticking with D. She must All have right. been a real piece of work. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why? Now I'm... No, yeah. I know what re- research rabbit hole I'm going down tonight. Yes, she she they live in this castle, and it's actually part of the backdrop for the first two Harry Potter films. Uh, and they have like these, um, you know, immaculate, amazing gardens, like most castles in England. But nobody really comes to visit that often, so they sectioned <laughs> off a little part, and we're like, let's just make it the weirdest garden we can think of. And now it gets tons and tons of people to visit. Wow. <laughs> I mean. 
Oh, now I'm kind of disappointed yeah. to know it was a marketing ploy. When they first <laughs> well, opened. she might she might also really love hemlock. You know, you don't know. Wait, it, it, yeah. Kids, don't try this at home. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question number three. Popular in Switzerland, Germany, and a lot of other places around the world, garden gnomes, uh, for some reason, hold a special place in people's hearts uh, since the 1600s, in fact. These little statues made out of clay, wood, or porcelain, garden gnomes are typically male, often bearded, usually wearing red, and uh, often have pipes. Uh, And they're always shown pursuing leisurely pastimes such as fishing or napping. It's estimated that there are 25 million garden gnomes in Germany alone. What? All right. So here's your question. Here's your question. That wasn't the question? Here's your question. What's wrong with Germany? (laughs) And should we be concerned that there might be a gnome uprising at some point? I don't know. I feel like... I mean, if they're if they're fishing and relaxing, maybe they're actually holding the country together. We don't know. Oh, it's a great take. I like that. It's a great take. Flipping yeah. out. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe I come we from, could all use a little more gnome in our life. I come from a family of Germans, and uh, that checks out actually. That the, the gnomes are holding <laughs> things together. I think. <laughs> I was interested in your reaction to that as well, David. So, all right, <laughs> all right. I'm going to mark that one as correct. Uh, all right, that was a great question. answer. Great, thank you. Last question. Uh, in my yard behind my shed, I have a lovely rhubarb garden. Uh, rhubarb, as we all know, Is that true? Very under, very underrated vegetable. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I cannot access this rhubarb very easily, not because it's difficult to get to, but because of the cantankerous and capricious creature that guards it. Oh, all right. His name is Jeremy, and he has a chip on his shoulder. Uh, so, Alyssa, uh, what is Jeremy constantly asking me for in exchange for access to my own rhubarb? Oh, goodness. All right. is, it, oh. is it A? Okay. Does, does he want the sprinkler to be left on at all hours so he can bathe whenever he feels like it with having, without having to go turn on the spigot? <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh. Don't laugh, David. All right. Uh, B, does he want me to create audition videos for his parts in travel company commercials that he's convinced he will get? Or C, does he want vouchers to the Concord roller rink? Because he's apparently quite a beast on the skates. Mm. You haven't disclosed what kind of animal Jeremy is. He's a gnome. He's a gnome. He's a gnome. gnome. This is, okay, this is gnome I missed that two. part. Yeah, I was picturing like a very cantankerous woodchuck or something. We just got um, through how they're not really cantankerous, though. They're just like sleeping. Oh, I this know, one's bad. It sounds oh, like he... this one is, yeah, this one This one might need, yeah, it definitely sounds well, like he needs a pee thing. Well, yeah, guys, this is not a German gnome. This oh, is not a sorry. German gnome. This is okay. an American gnome. Yeah. American gnome. They're, yeah, they are Always a Always ready particular. for an uprising. Um... Uh, I I definitely think audition videos. Yeah. It's I mean, true. I don't have any storage left on any of my uh, devices because they are full of Jeremy's audition tapes. And then I have to find all these people to email them to. It's a nightmare. Oh, my gosh. Uh, all right. What an good administrative job. hassle. All Best right, Alyssa. Rhubarb, I think, but rhubarb is delicious. <laughs> I think that is a 
uh, passing with flying colors grade on the garden pool. So great job. Thank you. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm honored. Alyssa, that was easily one of the strangest quizzes we've ever done here. So congratulations to you on that too. <laughs> hey, isn't rhubarb something, you can't eat rhubarb raw, right? No, it's poisonous. It could Speaking be in the poison garden. Yeah. Yeah. You have to cook it. Okay. Yeah. 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 I made I made rhubarb the other day. Growing up, my mom had a garden. This is in Wisconsin, where the climate apparently is good for rhubarb or something. I don't really know. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm completely wrong on that, but she had rhubarb in the garden, and we would go pick stuff out of the garden. She would always tell us she was very insistent. You don't eat the raw rhubarb. Don't eat the raw rhubarb. I, it's not like poison, like it'll kill you though, right? It's more like you'll have bathroom stomach ache. Stomach ache. Have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. I don't know, but. I'm not about to try. Your mom was yeah. right. I'll listen to her. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. My mom is a wise lady. Okay. Graham. Alyssa, did you did you say you made rhubarb like some sort well, of I made, wizard? I cooked with rhubarb. Yes, I made strawberry okay. rhubarb bars. Oh, my mom used to All make right. strawberry rhubarb pie, and which was delicious with vanilla ice cream. So, yeah. Hey, are you That's an ice cream fun. fan? Speaking of snacks, I do like ice cream. In fact, to go back to the earlier cake or cookies question uh we had a we actually had to make your own ice cream sundae bar instead of a wedding cake at our wedding so smart although i'm now trying to think of the logistical issues with ice cream melting how did you manage that uh we just let it it melt well we had we had the caterers were scooping so it was it was in little freezers yeah so this is yeah this is about the time of the episode where david asks do you like ice cream in order to see if we're talking to a human being or something else right exactly pretending to be one so yeah yeah i think you guys you've recorded enough episodes now the bots might be on to you (laughs) (laughs) that's true what's what did you say your favorite flavor of ice cream is did you say i did it really varies by the day my current favorite is this birthday cake ice cream at my local uh ice cream shop that has sprinkles mixed in and it tastes like frosting and and every child listening to this podcast is saying duh yeah yeah (laughs) it's so good (laughs) all right Alyssa, it's time for us to conclude this episode this conversation with the word of the week are you ready i am so ready okay Alyssa, the the bookstore troll he he's gone of course he's out seeing the world looking for friends and adventure and um, trying to discover who he really is and so forth as one does um, after 2000 years of life. So he's, he did send us a postcard though. So Graham, I've got it ready. Um, Are you ready for me to to unveil? I haven't, I haven't looked at it, so I'm just going to flip it over and okay. Uh, Here it is. Dear brothers from another mother. Stop. Hope the bookstore is scary as ever. Stop. I'm on the Mediterranean right now. Stop. Mm. Hate it. Stop. Too much sun. Stop. People are so happy. Stop. Anyway, here's your dumb word. Stop. Okay, here's the word. Ready? Okay, this one's not a real long word. Sometimes the the words are real long. Sometimes they're not. Here it is. Are you ready, Alyssa? I am ready. All right, the the word is pyretic. P-Y-R-E-T-I-C. Pyretic. P-Y-R-E-T-I-C. Okay, so we're going to take a minute. We're going to write down what we think it means. And when we come back, we're going to reveal our choices before we unveil the real meaning. As is our custom, Graham will go first, then I will go. 
And then our special guest will share what she thinks this word means, at which point we will unveil the true meaning of the word pyretic. But Graham, what do you think it means? So pyretic um, is referring to any sort of... uh, You might have something similar, David. I don't know. I know you've been on a pirate kick for a little while, but it has to do with pirates. Your whole... Yeah. has to do with pirates, but if if they're like Arctic pirates, okay? So... (laughs) they're these the lesser known cold water icebreaker pirates um if if anybody is seen acting like one of them in public which you have to know one to know how to act like one but people will say they're acting piratic are we talking about like norse people i can't i don't know i've never i just just know north pirates Mm. 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 mine is related in some ways that's pretty good that like that could be that very much could be possible, but I think I could see why we're we're kind of on the same wavelength in teams in terms of general theme because I think pyretic is the word that describes the color of the fire on a pyre, as in, boy Bjorn, that pyre has a really beautiful pyretic color today. It's kind of a purplish orange color. So, they're you know we're on the same wavelength like you know pirates, Vikings yeah, burning yeah. stuff or people or whatever. Yeah, the pyre, definitely, I, I thought of fire. But then I was also looking at the the end of the word, the tick, and I thought about like words mm. like heretic and lunatic. So I'm thinking this is an odd person who lights fires. So like a child. <laughs> so like yeah, most yeah. boys. Like, we'll go with that, sure. An arson? <laughs> An arsonist, yeah. There we go. That's like the easiest who, word. Yeah, like someone who's. Well, it could be. It could be an odd person lighting legitimate fires. Oh, right. Not like fires to right, destroy right. stuff. They just like to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you know, used in a sentence. Hey, we need to light this on fire. Someone called the pyretic. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay, I'm gonna peel this awesome. off now, and we're gonna find out. Uh, makes it really difficult to peel it off. Sometimes he just likes to mess with us and make it extra difficult. And it's just taking a second. I'm like, scratch and sniff would be so much easier. Okay, here we go. Oh, yeah. Okay, pyretic. Marked by or caused by a fever. Huh. So here's the example. Heat. When you have a fever, your body temperature spikes past this normal temperature, which for most humans is between 97 and 99 degrees Fahrenheit or 36 to 37 degrees Celsius. Most fevers only increase your body temperature by a few degrees. But one pyretic man in 1980 arrived at the hospital with a 115 degree Fahrenheit or 46 degree Celsius fever and lived to tell the tale. Oh my gosh. So that seems crazy. Anyway, that's what pyretic means. So marked or caused by a fever. Hmm. We stand corrected. uh, There's an, yeah, (laughs) don't we all usually on this show? So, uh, but there's another great idea for a story, right? Yeah. Yeah, you guys, you've booked me solid with story ideas. I'm feeling all inspired to get writing again. Well, okay, that's a perfect transition because we want to know what you are working on now, as do the kids who are who are reading your books. What's what's up next? Sure. Like like many of your guests, I don't have anything I can talk about yet. Um, but I do have a book that's currently in the works, but hasn't nothing's been announced yet. But the book that I'm drafting now, I'm really in love with, which has the historical feel of 
the Gilded Girl, but I'm writing a book without magic. So it's a new challenge for me. I can't just wave my hands and say, it's this way because of magic. I'm doing a lot of historical research and it's about a girl who thinks she's the broken one in her family, but when things start to fall apart, it's her inner strength that can keep them all together. Mm. You could just have cell phones resolve everything instead of magic. It's like the classic thing that writers talk about. <laughs> everything well, now just gets resolved in the by 1930s, a cell phone. So yes, <laughs> no cell phones. <laughs> Smart. All right, Graham. All right, Alyssa, um, final question here. Do you have any advice uh, for any young writers who might be listening? I think when you're when you're a writer, you, you don't always know you're a writer. The first thing you're going to be is a reader. So even if you don't think you're a writer, if you're a reader, you might be. And if you are, if you know you're a writer, you should also be a reader. The best thing you can do is read, read, read. And if you start something, try to finish it. You can write 15 amazing first chapters, but they'll never be a book until you write an ending. So practice writing, practice reading, and just follow your heart. Does writing come easy for you? Some days. Uh, some days, you know, it's you're, it's smooth sailing. It feels like going down the roller coaster. And then there's some days where, you know, click, 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 click. It's going very painfully uphill. I ask because you said you wrote the first draft of the book in like seven hours. Yeah, the first draft was 44 days. That, But funny enough, completely different process for the second one. It took me almost a year to write the first draft, but then I revised it in three weeks. Hmm. So completely inverted process. Yeah, yeah you just so you never know what you're going to get is what you're saying. Yeah, each book, each book demands to be written a little differently. Hmm. All right, last thing. Who do you challenge? What author... Would you like the challenge to bear the slings and arrows of this outrageous podcast? Hmm. Who, who have you made enemies of? Uh, Julie Abbey. If you don't know her, she wrote the Eva Evergreen series. And her new book, uh, Alana Girl of Drag or Aliana Girl of Dragons just came out. And it's wonderful. Nice. All right, Alyssa, thanks so much. You're off the hook. Thanks for spending some time with us and hanging out and answering questions and being silly with us. Thank you so much. All right. Well, that was our conversation with Alyssa Coleman. Thanks so much to her for coming on the podcast. There were some slings and arrows that we tossed at her in that one. We did. Yeah. 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 And uh, I'm almost over the joke that you made before we turn over to the episode. What? That she's shady? Well. That oh, they're all shady? That they're all shady. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna do variations on that joke all week. Yeah. Just anytime I any, see any trees. You're really leaning into the Uncle Graham. Well, it's perfect. I'm getting old. <laughs> well, we really appreciate Alyssa coming let me, on. Let me get some of this Rice Krispie treat. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to check out The Gilded Girl and The Tarnished Garden, uh, which are both really fun. Okay, Graham, that brings us to the end of this episode, which brings us to our final segment, which is called Riddle Time. Now, last week, I told, I told the, the kids about, about a short man. He lived on the, on the top floor. I don't think we named him. Short stack. Felipe. Okay. Uh, he would ride the elevator on sunny days up to the 70th floor and then climb the stairs up the rest of the way. On rainy days, however, he would ride the elevator straight to the apartment, to his apartment on the 100th floor. 
Why did he do things in this strange fashion? I, I don't know, but man, this riddle is tricky. Did, I think we should just call this podcast Tricky David Riddles featuring some story stuff. Okay. That's how, that's how tricky I thought this one was. Well, do you have an answer? No, but I want to hear your answer. Did any kids send anything in? Yes, they all got it right. But I didn't read them, so I, I'm assuming they got it oh, right. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I'll just tell you. Uh, the answer is that... Well, you know, he's short, so he can't reach the hundredth floor. Yes. Button. Because uh-huh. that's a lot of floors. Oh. But on a rainy day, he has an, has an umbrella. So he can <sighs> reach up there with his umbrella and press that. But when he does, when it's not raining, he doesn't. So then he has two options. One, he brings his step stool with him. Or but he, he doesn't seem to off, do but, that. But the step stool, that, that's kind of a, like, you know, you might have your arms full of groceries or things. It's just, it's just a whole thing. So why would you bring your step stool everywhere? Why don't you just bring a cane? Well, Felipe. Maybe, we got to talk with Felipe after Well, this. maybe he's just not that stylish. Oh, I see. Or that. And nobody crippled. wants to be seen carrying an umbrella on a sunny day, so he can't just bring the umbrella. Right. I mean, you know what would be helpful, though, is if they had one of those umbrella stands in the elevator. Then there was always an element, you know, one of those yeah, little, like yeah, one yeah. of those bucket things that mm-hmm. you put an, put an umbrella in. I feel like they really need an elevator guy who could who could just press the button for him, you know. Yeah, but who can afford that? Anymore? Who can afford that? So if if uh, you got a right answer, then you will be entered into our competition of all the right answers at the end of the season. We are going to choose uh, some some books for one lucky winner. And uh, Graham, if they get this week's riddle right. Yeah, they go back, they go into the riddle bucket. Yeah, yeah, and it's, uh, what's the email again? Podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. So if you think you know the answer to this next riddle, write us in. And you know, you might get lucky and have, or just be so smart. I don't know why I said luck. What's luck got to do with it? It's intelligence. <laughs> if you were so intelligent that you could get the first riddle right, and then also this next one, well then, you got it. you can enter twice. Yeah, if you get both of these, honestly, like... I, I, Actually, I don't know what this one is, but I'm but, assuming it's just as tricky. But, I mean, because it is uh, Tricky Riddle Time with David featuring some story stuff. So oh, Very good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this, this, this is this week's riddle. So, Graham, mm-hmm. there is an old man. Got it. It's not Felipe. Okay. It's, uh, Does he have three daughters and they married trolls? No. Okay. His, his name is uh, Frederick the Great. He <laughs> wanted to leave all of his money to one of his three sons but he didn't know which one he should give it to so he gave each of them a few coins and told them to buy something that would be able to fill their living room oh it's like a test yeah okay. the first son Jose bought straw but okay. there wasn't enough to fill the room the second Leroy bought some sticks okay. but they still didn't fill the room that right the third man bought two things that filled the room, so he obtained his father's fortune. Oh. His name was Mickey. What were the two things that the man brought? Jose, Leroy, and Mickey? Yeah. What? Where's Frederick from? <laughs> Frederick the Great. Frederick the Great? Okay. Hey, when you're Frederick the Great, you can name your kids what you All right, want. So he wants them to buy something to fill up the room. Yep. And... Uh, it's a test. It's a test. Mickey bought... Yeah, so Jose bought straw, but there wasn't enough to fill the room. Leroy bought sticks, but they didn't fill the room. But Mickey, he bought two things to fill the room, so he, he gained the fortune. Interesting. So what were the two things that Mickey Mickey bought? So that's this week's riddle. Cool. So if you think you know the answer, email us at podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. And if you are correct that you are correct, then you will be entered 
in our seasonal giveaway at the end of this well season in the riddle bucket in the riddle bucket yeah yeah do you think you know it no <laughs> i don't is it that tricky is it too hard are the kids not smart enough for this Graham? no they got saying? this you they... doubt the children who are listening to this podcast no i'm just saying i don't know it so what you're saying is that you're not as smart as the children who listen to this podcast no but i know what i have learned so what <laughs> <laughs> oh you'll see <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, I think that's enough nonsense for now. So uh, for Grant Pittman, I'm David Kern. Until next time, happy reading. Goodbye. Goodbye.